Christopher Columbus sailed halfway around the world for the great deals at Rainsboro Rick's House of Style. Discover a new world of value when you save 40, 50, even 60% off our unbeatable selection of bedroom, dining room, and living room sets. You don't have to be Queen Isabella to afford great furniture. So come on down to Rainsboro Rick's House of Style, where savings is king. Partisan, the Knight of Rainsboro, the city's greatest hero, is dead. But evildoers continue eternal. Citizens fear they now live in a world without heroes. But heroes emerge from the shadow of a champion's fall to take up their rightful place as the Knights of Rainsboro. Paul is Hair Trigger. Tim is the Coyote. Wayne is the Rambling Ricochet. Andrew is the Necropath. sitting on the floor everything seems very surreal and you feel like you're kind, you were kind of a wash in, in a sea for, for just a moment like you're you just billowed about as you as you as your senses adjust you know you're aware that you're betty and your hair trigger and you're a knight of rainsboro and you know you have been uh, hunted by the police but you're also aware of this whole other life that you've led and it's not like waking up from a dream. It's the furthest thing from waking up from a dream because that's not the, the reality of it isn't receding. You, these are memories. These are memories of losing your parents to the Nazis. These are memories of fighting across Europe and you know working working to support your cause, falling in love with Joseph Reck, a man that you have regarded as your father as a father figure, I should say, uh, in this life. And, you know, so you've got these two instances that are, are playing against you at the moment that are, you know, you're, you're really having some difficulty sorting that out. I mean, how could it possibly be that you've lived this whole other life, but yet, you know, in your heart that this is a life you've led and looking down here, you see grim reality of it, because not only do you see Jeremiah Ironclaw, laying on the floor, blood-soaked shirt from the, from the bullets that have torn from his back through his chest, bullets that you shot into him. Not only is he there, but you also recognize him as the coyote, your friend, someone who, who might have you know, turned into a romantic relationship. But here, here, here you're looking at a friend, someone who has supported you and been kind to you, asked you out on a date. And the grim reality is, is that in this other life that you're just coming back from, you murdered him. Around the room, you see Patrick Ironclaw standing just, just you know, not 12 feet away from you. Uh, and behind him is, is that gigantic machine that you recognize as the time machine that you're now putting together. You didn't know what that word partisan meant, but you know what it means now. There are other Native Americans in the room, not UT citizens, 
but Native Americans. Uh, there, there's uh, a woman, and there is a man, and you know the woman is is uh, you know dressed in a uh, a silver bodysuit, and the gentleman is is you know dressed in in you know buckskins, uh, you know the, the pouch around him, a, a, a pouch at his side. Yeah, they both look a little familiar. Also in the room is Duke Eris. I'm sorry, Riptide. And he's kind of staggering in the doorway. Riptide, you're having a very similar experience, except your experience is pretty damn violent in that you have a very distinct memory of dying. You have a very distinct memory of of having a woman that, that you had hoped to have a very deep relationship with that you were going to marry torn from you. Um, you have a... a you have the memory of, of the conflict with, with Jeremiah, all of that drama that occurred, you know, there at Ironclaw Towers, the very close relationship that you had with your family, with your father, versus the reality of what you, you have here in the, in the world of Rainsboro. A very different life having been, you know, so instrumental in your father's reign versus the exile that you've the self-imposed exile that you currently enjoy here in Rainsboro. So you're you're extremely disoriented. It's coming to you, and 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 like Hair Trigger, uh, like I explained to her, you know that these things are real. You know that this is not a dream. This is not a hallucination. They were tangible things. And while that's overlaying in your mind, you know that you have lived two very different lives. And that while yes. This this world Rainsboro that you're living in right now is is real and it's 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 the reality of the moment. You also have a have a very strong connection to what you experienced in the UT. Also in the room is Doctor Necropath. Yes. You are not sure if you died or not. <laughs> you know you were in the Zeppelin when it burst into flames when it exploded. Mm. That you were overcome and understood at that moment. That you had an angelic force that had taken you over. That you were Ramiel, Angel of Light. That you were God's justice in the world. And that your holy mission was to ensure that the UT did not continue. That the Nazis did not win that war. And did not control Europe in our today. You also felt at the end of all of that, that he, as, as Rainsboro came back into being, that... It left you. you. You, there is no doubt in your mind that there is no remnant of angel within you. That that spark that you felt before is no longer present. You felt that presence exit, and you're standing in the room, and you can see Patrick Ironclaw, who is not this exactly the same Patrick Ironclaw that you knew in the UT. You know, there the, the Patrick Ironclaw that you knew in the UT. There was actually a softness to him in many respects. In fact, you, you recall back at uh, the reception, you know, after the attempted kidnapping, you know, he was a man concerned about his family. You know, he was not somebody up to no good in, in many respects. You have a very different sense about this man. This man seems wrong. There seems something very wrong about what he, what he's doing or what he's done or what he had hoped to do. There's something very wrong about this man. But you know, you you are struck by these the same experience that I described uh, to Riptide and Betty that 
you knew the reality of having lost your family and having been forcibly exiled from your home. You know the reality of being a second-class citizen. You knew the reality of being hunted your entire life because of who you were. Versus this reality where, you know, sure, mom and dad are a little strange, but they love you. You've grown up surrounded by love in your home. You have you have experienced success in your life and you have had had comforts. Very different from the juxtaposition of that other world. Mm-hmm. So you're experiencing the same thing. And, and, and the room is as I described it. You know, you've got the, these two other figures uh, in the room with Patrick Ironclaw. And, you know, one of the key differences that you notice, uh, Dr. Necropath, is that, you know, when you were in this room the first time, if you'll recall, you came in and, and said, you know, hey, you know, people are concerned about what's going on. And they said, don't worry, we got this. And you hooked out. But when you were there, all of the, the machinery was a buzz. Right. right. Sparky yes. and glowy and lights and, and whatnot. And there were technicians working around it. Um, it is dead. There are no lights, no sparks. It is completely inanimate. There's nothing going on there. Stepping into the room, Ricochet, you don't have I, – I, I hate to put it this way. You don't have any of these memories. The last thing that you knew, you were at, you had smashed a boulder into the cable, and you came running into town to uh, you know fight off the uh, Native Americans in the in the sit in, in the streets out in front of this area, and you know they disappeared when the light faded, and so you've come in here and you you don't have any of this disorientation that anybody else has. In fact, you're probably the most with it guy here. Yeah, I uh, as I run into the room, I'm like don't worry guys, I'm here. I strike a pose. And then I look down and see Coyote's body. Yes, and he is quite dead. Eyes fixed, you know, staring up, uh, no breathing, blood-soaked shirt, clearly shot in the back with, with uh, you know, bullets having torn out the uh, front of his shirt. He's a mess. I kind of look around. Who did this? And I look over at uh, I look over at the people I know. So I look over at uh, Doctor Necropath first. Who did this? I'll uh, I'll quietly point at Betty. I, um, why? Why would you do this? We trusted you. So in this universe, <laughs> I, I, I'm a bit of a genius. So it it, it it's pieced all together. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, I can feel both realities, and I've kind of pieced together what's happened at this point. And so you know, the sadness is turning into just I'm just seeing red. And I'm gonna go point. ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and throw something at you, uh, Paul. Yes. Um, in case you're not putting it together as a player, you know, you recall that one of the things that, that you had decoded from uh, Partisan's journal was the word temporal. And you do make that connection that uh, it was in reference to his time machine, the time machine that somehow Patrick Ironclaw came into possession of. And is in this room. Correct. Sitting right in front of you. Patrick Ironclaw and the machine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, at this point, I've pieced it, I've pieced it together because – in the other universe, I wasn't really, you know, I was smart, but in this universe, I'm, I'm, you know, back to my genius self. So I've pieced it together at this point, what's happened and the, and the, the time machine and that it was partisan's time machine. So, you know, regardless of, I know Ricochet's talking to me, but it's really just kind of wah, 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 wah. Like it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just noise in the background. Cause I'm just seeing red looking at Patrick Ironclaw right now. So are you going to explain yourself? No, I'm not going to explain myself to Ricochet. Um, 
Are you going to to explain what you know and, and share that with your with your friends? So I, I'm going to go start shaking her and speaking louder in her face. What you know? Why? And I'm just going to stare at Patrick Ironclaw and I'm going to say because of him. I, I mean, at this point, you know, I've I've just killed, like you said, I've just killed someone very close to me. I don't know that I'm really at an emotional standpoint to to be exposition girl in this moment. Sure. Yeah, so I'm, uh, so I'm going to look back at Dr. Necropath now. It's like, who do I hit? I will uh, quietly point at Patrick Ironclaw at this point. <laughs> well, it was her, but it it wasn't – It I remember it, but it wasn't the same her. I, I don't know what that means, but I'm confused. It wasn't I, – I don't know what happened. Does everybody else remember other things? So can I ask a, a quick question? Yes. Am I – what am I wearing? Am I half-naked Betty or am I – You are half-naked Betty. Am I armed? Oh, yeah. You still have your guns. I'm going to shove Ricochet away, and I'm going to start charging towards Patrick Ironclaw. I'm not even going to try to resist him. I'll let him shove me out of the way. So uh, Betty shoves you away, and Patrick Ironclaw has stopped paying attention to you guys. He has turned back to the machine, and he's just like, what – how did this oh my god it was there it was there and he's looking down at his hands it was in my hands and you see the woman in the in the silver suit who uh you guys are like i saw something on the news about her you know what is her name and same with the guy in the in the buckskins they both look really familiar and you 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 had the sense that that uh they're native american heroes from history the uh the woman you know you think wolf something or other like silver wolf or something and uh you know you can't pinpoint the the, the other guy's name but he the, he looks familiar and they're kind of stepping away from patrick ironclaw both of them look a little horrified and patrick ironclaw is just like it was there it was there and his eyes are just wide i it, i i felt it i tasted it it was there betty you're rushing up on him i'm gonna i'm gonna hit him with the butt of my gun across the just like right across the face um and so if he falls to the ground i'm gonna climb on top of him and i'm going to shove my gun in his face and i'm gonna say where did you get this time machine wait a minute that's a time machine does anyone know how to use it can we go back and save coyote you see that there are uh, several men in white lab coats who are just kind of pushing themselves against the wall away trying to be as small as they can i'll quietly shake my head no you don't have intimidation? I do not have intimidation. Okay, so roll me a d6 and a d4, and you'll take a minus two. We're just looking for a four. I don't have my dice either, Aaron. <laughs> no, no, I've, I've, I got a four. Okay. Good dice. Very good. So I, I, I took it from, from Partisan's lab. All right, well, I'm going to take the safety off, and I'm going to say, how did you power it? We were we ran cable to Dogger Island using the, the, the energies there. Is Partisan alive? I, I, I saw him die just like everybody else did. So I broke the time machine when I broke the cable? Sounds like it. Does anyone know how to fix the cable? We can still save Coyote. Uh, I'm, I'm looking directly but, at the scientist in the well, corner. Well, I'm going to say no. Because, I'm, 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 I, I mean, at this point, I, I, I remember what happened. I remember we're, 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 we are past the point where we can change things. That is correct. So I'm going to look at him, and I'm going to, you know, tears in my eyes. I'm going to say, we can't. We can't save him. Riptide. Mm-hmm. You understand that uh, – well, tell me what you understand from, from the display that's just happened. Well, normal world Riptide probably doesn't understand much. 
because <laughs> um, uh, thinking was never his strong suit. Uh, but with all the talk of time machine and remembering these memories that are real but impossible, I think he's probably smart enough to put together, you know, what's what's happened. Although you know, the implications, he's a little foggy on. But he will he will walk over to Coyote and bend down and close his eyes. So, you know, you're you're standing over and kneeling beside the dead body of the man who is going to be your brother. Mm-hmm. So correct me if I'm stating this wrong, but I recall that you that you found a nobility in him and and, and a kinship and that you, you were, you know, while you y'all hadn't grown close yet, you expected that this was going to be a, a familial relationship, that this w- this man was going to be family, not just family in name and title, but but family that uh, that you would cherish. Yeah, and I definitely feel like I, I knew him way better in this other memory that I had, you know, than I do do wherever we are now. And what about Ayana? I don't know. I don't. I don't think he he's going to remember her, but I don't think he can. I don't think he can process that yet. The you know the, the his idea of of women it was so different in this other memory. Uh, you know, they're just for fun, but you sure. know, this other memory, no, they're not. You know, it's it's completely different. They're all worthy of you know, worthy of respect, and uh, you know, he respects institutions like marriage. And he's, I don't know, I don't think he can. He was such a sharp contrast from one to the other. I think he's probably having a lot of trouble putting that together. If you had to characterize how he's feeling right now, how how, how would you characterize that? Hmm. <sighs> He's probably not – I don't think he's a guy that uh, has dealt with his uh, emotions in any other way besides a very adolescent way at all. So is it rage so, that he's feeling? I think, I think it, would, it would be coming out as frustration. So you look over and you see uh, Betty, or Hair Trigger as you know her, uh, who is – Paul, would you say tortured? Is the way is the way someone might might see her? Yeah, and she is you know clearly devastated, pushing a gun in this man's face, a man who in this other world was kind and respectful, and you know until well, you get you didn't know about that, so you know you even found him to be quite noble. And please correct me if I'm getting any of that wrong. And he, here he is, and there's something sinister about this man. How are you feeling about that? Probably, probably very confused. But he'll walk over there and he'll say, "Betty, what are you planning on doing?" I, I'm not even going to respond to him. I'm just going to ask um, Iron Patrick Ironclaw why. It was a better world. You know it was. It was a better world. What's he talking about? He looks up at at Riptide and he kind of squints his eyes. You know what I'm talking about. It was a better world. I, I don't know. I. I Parts of it seem better, but uh, not after all this. Uh, as kind of people are talking, and Betty is sitting on top of, uh, you know, Patrick Ironclaw threatening him. I'm gonna walk over Patrick Ironclaw and and kind of drape my fingers across his forehead and pour into him all the the feelings of fear and anxiety and anger and dismay at at living a life as the Germans took over uh, my homeland of, of Poland and fleeing from them and, and you know fighting them in occupied England and and how that all came about and and the feelings of the you know outrage that the 
uh, UT was was collaborating with the Germans to sterilize all non-Native Americans uh, to prevent them from gaining, you know, citizenship in the tribe. And so I'm just going to wordlessly pour all those emotions and feelings into his brain. His eyes are just wide, white surrounding the irises. His pupils dilate and he screams, just howls as you pour a lifetime's misery into him that he experiences all in one flash of a moment. And he ju- he just starts sobbing uncontrollably. And, you know, Betty, he, he's, you know, shaking and, you know, racked with, uh, with, with sobs and grief uh, beneath you. No, after that, I was going to, to stand up and walk over to the, the body of the, the coyote and, uh, Kind of, kind of pick him up over my shoulder. Someone tell me what's going on. I'm confused. What's this about another reality? What, what is, what's going on? Ah! And he's just, I just want to punch something right now. Come on, Betty, let's go. This is done. I, um, I'm having a hard time. You know, I, uh, I mean. As far as I'm concerned, he made me kill. He he made me kill my friend. And I really want to shoot him in the face. What's stopping you? <sighs> you know, th- this man changed all of your lives. He had the the audacity to decide that his will should be imprinted over the world. You know, he he's the one who who created a scenario where, where you had to suffer through your parents' death and the death of everyone you ever knew in your family. All so that he could be happy. All so that his people could thrive. I'm going to walk up next to her. She sounds like she's probably kind of shaking a little bit. It's like, Hair Trigger, you're better than this. I don't know what he did. I don't know what's going on here. But I know you. I don't know what happened. I don't know why Coyote's dead, but I know you're a hero. And if someone dies in combat, it's one thing. But this is cold blood, and this isn't you. Come on, let's go. Riptide, you're you're observing this, and you can tell. I mean, Betty Hair Trigger is devastated. You can tell that she is on the very edge, and she's probably going to kill this guy. Listen, I ran away from people who had power over others and, and used it for their own ends. And you've got power over this guy right now with that gun you've got in his face. But don't use that power to to take care of your own ends. It, it makes you it makes you something dark. You don't want to do it. You, you don't want to be like that. But you know what? It's your it's your choice. And I'm gonna get up and follow Necropath out the door. I, I'm gonna reach out and kind of touch her on the shoulder. Listen to the glass jaw over there. <laughs> this isn't you. This isn't you, Betty. Come on, come with me. And I'm just kind of looking at her. I'm um, I'm gonna take a deep breath, and I, I'm not going to kill him, but I'm gonna pound him four or five times in, <laughs> <laughs> in the face with the with the butt of the gun. You have beaten him into unconsciousness. And then I'm going to stand up, I'm going to spit at him, and I'm going to walk out the room. I, I'm going to kick him in the leg, and then I'm going to leave. Uh, Aaron, uh, just a quick note. I am I'm I do make note of the machine in the room, and uh, I, I make note that I may, I may come back later for that. 
you guys are stepping out of the room and as y'all you know are, are exiting the the room walking through the the door uh, the, the shattered doorway you catch a glimpse of uh, the woman in silver and she has become a large silver wolf and she is walking towards uh, Patrick Ironclaw uh, lips peeled back and snarling are y'all leaving that yeah I'm uh, I'm taking uh... Uh, the coyote and, and walking out. I didn't see a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Betty. Yeah, yeah, that's that's between them. Okay. Agreed. All right. Hey, does 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 the coyote's body have a wallet in his pocket? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so I know who he I knew who he, who he is in real life. Yeah, and you I mean you're like you know his name here is Jeremiah Redfeather, not Jeremiah Ironclaw. Right. But yeah. So what do you want to do? Uh, do I know, I mean, am I aware enough of, of the tribal people to know that his father is a big, you know, muckety muck in the, the his tribe? grandfather? Yes. Yes. I, I will kind of turn and look at everybody else and say, I'm, you know, I'm going to return the coyote's body to his family. If anyone wants to come with me. Yeah, I'm there. Same here. I'm not. So Betty, you, le- you, you teleporting away. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm teleporting. Well, I'm I'm staying there. (laughs) I'm not teleporting away. I'm staying there. Well, we were in kind of the tribal area when this all went down. Yeah, you're close by. So we're not far from where his grandfather lives. I'm just going to, you know, slowly and kind of walk down the street carrying um, the coyote over my shoulder towards where I think his his grandfather lives. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not bouncing or jumping or running. I'm walking with kind of my head down behind him. I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, take a few steps and turn back towards Betty and he looks like he's gonna say something and then he just sort of looks down and turns and follows the other two. You guys, uh, you know, it takes you about twenty minutes to locate uh, Mr. Redfeather's home, and you uh, come up to the door, you know, porch lights on, and it's a it's a it's a nice home. It's not a it's not a manor, but it is it looks to be a very comfortable home. You know, well kept, well, well maintained. Um, you can see, you know, a big uh, SUV parked out in front. Uh, I will slowly kind of walk up the front drive past the SUV and and knock on the front door. It takes several minutes, but you can see some movement inside, and the door opens, and you see a, a young Caucasian man standing there, and he's you know wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt, and he's like, um, "Can I help you?" And he seems rather taken aback at having uh, three superheroes with a guy over his shoulder uh, standing out in front of, of, of the house. Uh, I'll ask to speak to uh, you know Grandfather Redfeather. I, I'm sorry, but uh, it's a little late. He's not going to take visitors this, this late this evening. I have the body of his grandson to return to him. And he is he, like you've splashed water in his face. He's stunned. And he's like, what? Je- Jeremiah? I'm just staring stare at him quietly while he processes this. Uh, come, come, in, come in. And he, he opens the door uh, wider for you guys to enter. Okay. And he he looks, you know, at the figure over your shoulder, and he's like, "Is that? Is that?" Yes. He makes a he, he gestures to uh, the sofa inside the the living room. I'll uh, slowly, uh, you know, gently lay him down on the the sofa. Oh my God, Jeremiah! I'll be right back. Excuse me. And he darts down the hallway. It's a nice room, very comfortable. You see pictures on the wall. 
you know, pictures of, uh, of your numerous people and you see pictures of, uh, who's clearly Jeremiah, uh, surrounded by family. Uh, you see a picture of Jeremiah in his, uh, military uniform, you know, graduating from boot camp. Uh, you can see medals, you know, hung on the wall, uh, you know, all, you know, evidence of a life well lived of, uh, successes earned. I'm going to look at – it seems like we have a moment here. I'm going to look at uh, the Duke. Oh, I'm sorry, Riptide. And just kind of look at him and go, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> I, I don't know. What do you mean, what are we going to do? It's all over, right? I mean, it's done. can't be all over. If if Partisan had a freaking time machine, what else does he did he have that's now out there? Yeah, he had a lab. We need to check out that lab. We'd have to know where the lab is. Right. And those uh, scientists might have known where it is. Maybe. If Betty hasn't killed them all by now. I'm sure she'll run that down. And by the way, uh, I got to say, man, your bedside manner sucks. That was pretty harsh. Hey, I got the, I got the, I got the grandpa's dead son wrapped up here. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a nurse. What do you expect out of me? <laughs> He's still kind of stunned and shocked, and he just kind of uh, is watching it all, looking around the room. And, and uh, he kind of looks back, and he's like, he looks at Necropath because he knows him better. I know now's not the time, but I really need to know what just happened. An alternate timeline was created, uh, and for some reason you don't remember being there, although I saw you there. There was an uh, alternate and, me. What yeah, was I like? It, uh, well, I'll tell you. Fast. You know, we, yeah, and we kind of wound up on the on different sides of things, and we kind of got in a scrap at the end. And I'm sorry, man, but I had to take you out. One punch. <laughs> wow, alternate me was a wuss. I'm gonna let that go by. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm just gonna say. Uh, Dennis Dane, he, he had to have known about this lab. That guy seems to know about everything. Well, and now the coyote's dead. In the doorway, uh, you see the, the, the young man come back, and with him is a man you've seen. He you know, clearly is fresh up from bed, got a little bed head, a little you know, wisp of gray pointing in, the, in a weird direction. He's in his bathrobe. You brought my boy home. Uh, I'm going to walk over towards him. And as I do, I'll, I'll slip my mask off because, uh-huh. you know, po- pokey nose. Right. And, and I'm going to hug him and I'm going to say your son uh, was probably my best friend. And I'm very sorry for your loss. He, he just seems stunned, uh, not by your by your d- demonstration of affection, but by the news. And he, he, he's, he says, I, I, I'm glad to know that he had a friend. Were you there when it happened? He's just kind of staring over, and uh, the young man is is pulling uh, an afghan that was over the, the back of the couch and, and putting it over Jeremiah's chest so as to uh, you know obscure the, the the gunshot wounds. I I was there. Um, your your uh, Patrick Ironclaw um, somehow used a time machine to recreate reality. And in the course of stopping it, your son was uh, killed. Patrick did this. Yes. He just he just seems shattered. He's he kneels down next to his son and or grandson and uh, 
puts his his hand on 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 his head. Oh, you stupid boy! What did you do to yourself? For a moment, just sort of awkwardly look around the room and and feeling kind of uh, like a bit of a bit of an outsider here. So I'm just I'm going to step out on the front porch. Sure. As you're as you're moving out of the room, you're you know there there are pictures on the wall, pictures on the piano, that kind of thing. You know, just a, a very a very warm and inviting home. And you see a picture uh, on the bookshelf, and you see uh, Jeremiah uh, with a a woman, a young a younger woman, and you know her. It's Ayana. I'll look at the I'll look at the picture, and I'll sort of say kind of out loud, she was his sister. Right, right. Okay, I think I'm gonna step outside and and let these guys have a have a moment to themselves. You move through the entryway and and out the front door and onto the porch and uh, you know it's one of those big covered porches. You know it's you know brick columns and and you know really really a very nice sort of drive up covered parking kind of thing. So you step out a, a little further and it's it's kind of a crisp evening, not cold, but there's a nice crispness to the air you step out under the stars and you look up it's a clear night it's just a just a beautiful clear night with with stars twinkling and you know here on the reservation not a lot of light pollution so you can really get a strong impression of the night sky he looks up at the stars he's think to himself those those stars really have some brilliant colors tonight and you know he's thinking he kind of superimposing the image of you know, Ayana's face, both the memory that he carries from Sepawea, as well as the image on the picture of her and Jeremiah that he saw back inside the house. I think it's going to like start to dawn on him. Wait a minute, how how do I know these stars have these colors? And did I see her image in a picture? And he he reaches up and and touches his face and kind of his, hovers his fingers over his eyes and he realizes that he's wearing those contacts given to him in another universe. He's wearing those gold-based technology contacts gifted to him or purchased uh, by his family from you know, Joseph Reck. You know, not the Joseph Reck of Rainsboro, but the Joseph Reck of Sepawea. <laughs> right. He's going to be kind of stunned when he when he realizes this. That you know, he's going to think for a minute, "Am I still?" I, I'm still in. Am I still in the other place? No, that that's not right. And he, he's going to kind of be dumbfounded. How how did this happen? How are these things still in my eyes? So, Aaron, I'm going to pull the other guy aside, the one that's not grieving. Yeah. And uh, look, I uh, I know I saw him at Partisan's funeral. I was wondering, do you know how we can get a hold of the pocket square? We're going to oh, need gosh. some extra help. He, he just shakes his head. No, 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 I don't. They, thanks anyway. He looked Native American, so I thought maybe. I mean, I figured you guys all knew each other. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of just rest my hand on, on the grandfather Schlerman and say if, if you need, if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. He puts his hand over your hand on his shoulder and pats it. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'll leave a number with one of my burner phones on it, like on with to, with the manservant boy guy. You're out there in your bra and underwear uh, as your friends have disappeared around the corner. Well, I haven't left the building. I just uh, I no, think but I was. You just... saw him go out the doors, and you know, there you are in your bra and underwear. <laughs> So, so are the scientists still there? Did the scientists leave? I missed um, that part. You saw them kind of, you know, uh, start slinking away at, you know, as things were, were developing in the room. But uh, you don't know if they're still in the room or not. You, you got, you had gone down the hall, which, uh, you know, leading back to the street, and let your friends, you know, venture out into the reservation. Well, the, it took them about twenty minutes to to go out there, so I have a little bit of time. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to head back and look for the scientists, if, see if they're there still. You uh, go back to the room where the time machine is, and you see a bloody spot where Patrick Ironclaw was. And you see a several bloody footprints leading away, uh, and then nothing. There, uh, You don't see any other people in this room. And the time machine itself? It's is... still there. It's not powered. It's not running, but it's there. I'm... Um... I'm going to make a phone call. Okay. Who are you calling? Um, I'm going to call – I have – I'm going to assume that – you know, I mean I was – you know, I was well-connected inside Rec Industries or Rec Tech. I'm going to call someone who I know will not talk – one of one of my little minions that I know won't, won't spill the beans. <laughs> one of your minions. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say I need some help. This is Frank – Frank. Oh, hi, this Betty. Is Betty. Yeah. What kind of help do you need? I, I, I need I need you to gather some folks, and I need you, and I'm going to give them the address. Uh-huh. I, I need you guys to come here, and I need you to come fast, and I need you to bring a truck. Okay. Um, I we can probably be there in a couple of hours. Uh, you know, I got I, somebody I, to cover I, the I'm going to need you faster than that. Well, how fast do you need me? Be here in 15 minutes. Wow, I mean that's kind of short order. I mean, I my break is coming up. And, Frank, uh, yeah. be here in fifteen minutes. Okay, but um, all right, I'll be I'll, I, I I can probably be there in forty-five. Fifteen, and I hang up the phone. So what are you gonna do for fifteen minutes? I'm going to uh, wander around this facility looking for uh, the scientists and uh, see if any of them are still here somewhere. You are wandering about. Uh, it's a little breezy. You're becoming aware, you know, with the with with the the windows busted out of this place. Uh, Is there anything that I can drape over me? Well, I'm sure you could find a lab coat somewhere. All right, I'm gonna drape a lab coat over myself. Okay, so you put on you you drape a lab coat. Don't put it on. You just kind of put it over your shoulders. No, uh, no, I'm gonna put it on. <laughs> um. Nobody is here. You're, clearly, these guys bugged out. They are gone. There is nobody here. But you know, you do find their computer lab. You find you know all that kind of fun stuff. So all their equipment is still here. But those guys are gone. They 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 beat feet just as soon as they could. I'm gonna start uh, peeking around there. Not you know. I'm gonna sit at a terminal and start uh, peeking around, seeing if I can find information about Partisan's lab. Um, you're, you're, you're finding a number of, you know, data logs and keys and that kind of thing. You, you, it's not a whole lot of time to, you know, kind of discern this information, but you're finding a lot of information that's going to be able to, to be beneficial to you. I'm going to, uh, transfer it to my FTP. Okay. 
and so, then I'm going to wipe the system. Okay. So you're, you're working all that when you hear, hey, Betty, where are you? Okay. And I'm, that, that, that's Frank? Yeah. Frank, it's Frank's voice. Okay. So uh, I'm going to make sure my lab coat is tied up. Uh-huh. No and, free show for Frank, even though he probably nope. just lost his job tonight. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll get him a new one. <laughs> um, so Frank is there. Are there other people with him? Uh, yeah, he brought a couple of buddies with him. Okay. I'm going to show them to the t- to the time machine. Okay. I need you guys to load this in the truck. And they're like, okay, what is it? I need you guys to load this into the truck. Do you have any specs on how we should move this? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to get you know, in trouble because you know we voided the warranty or something. I don't think it's operational right now. Just unplug it. You're good. All right. Meanwhile, you guys have left uh, the Red Feather residence. Where are you guys headed? I think I need to have a discussion with. Oh no. Dennis Dane? What do you think, Ricochet? He seems to know everything. Yeah, let's go talk to that guy. Hey, Aaron, what time of day is it? It's night. It's about midnight. And we know where he lives. It's actually after midnight. Oh, yeah, you guys have been to his... We scope that out ahead of time. Yeah, you guys have been to his penthouse apartment before. I'm going to go to his apartment. You guys want to come? Sure. Yeah. And, Aaron, I'm going to text Lester... And uh, basically, I'm going to tell just give him a quick text. text uh, Coyote fell. Website needs a tribute. The response you get is just crap on it. Uh, you guys, tell me how you're approaching uh, uh, Dennis Dane's apartment. Uh, I'm, I assume it's a secure building. Sure. So, uh, as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, when we saw Dennis Dane on the rooftop, we exchanged numbers. And we gave him one of our burner phones if you need to get a hold of us, and he gave us a number to get a hold of him at. Right. Uh, so as I, I wave down a cab towards his apartment, I'm going to call that number. It takes it a few moments, but uh, he answers, hello. Uh, I'll say, hello, uh, Dennis Dane. This is um, the, the necropath. I need to talk to you. Okay. Is everything all right? Not really. Okay. Where would you like to meet? Uh, we're, we're driving towards your place. Can you enter discreetly? Um, I'm, I'm looking at the people with me. Um, <laughs> I can jump up to his window. At least one of us can. Um, yeah, is there a side door you can let us in? I, I can uh, let you in uh, via the freight elevator. How about that? Let's do that then. Okay. I'll meet you in the uh, underground parking. I'll hang up. So you guys arrive. You uh, venture over to the dock, uh, you know where they where they load freight and whatnot. And uh, the the elevate the giant elevator door opens. You see Dennis Dane. He usher, he motions for you guys to come in. And and I'm I'm correct in thinking that we don't look like we're in the best shape because right no, you guys before, look pretty haggard. We, we were through the fight with the Native Americans. Reality was coming apart. I fought my way through this vortex. Right. None of us oh. looked that great. Yeah, no, you guys look all look like hell. All right. Gotcha. All and, you know, he, he doesn't. <laughs> sure. Uh, he, yeah. uh, he, he is wearing a, a pair of lounge pants and a, a T-shirt. You guys come in. <coughs> He's like, uh, excuse me, but you guys kind of look like hell. Yeah. Be so like hell. are we in his apartment at this point? Uh, you, you have exited the, the, the uh, freight elevator and step into the apartment. So Aaron, I'm just kind of looking him in the, looking at his face. And it's like, I know we've met, but you look so much different when you're not in HD. 
Well, I'm less defined, he says. Would y'all like something to drink, something to eat? I can make some sandwiches. I'll uh, say... I'll take I'll a sandwich. Go ahead. I'll take a scotch. Neat. Well, I'll go in the kitchen and make sandwiches, and he points over to the bar for you to help yourself. I'm going to take off my top coat and, and my mask and toss it all over, kind of in the corner out of the way. And this shocks him. He stops I, and just... I kind of look over at you, and I'm shocked. And he stares dumbfounded, and he's like, what kind of conversation are we having tonight? Your secret identity. And I'm trying to get between the two of them so he can't see your face. So I'll just look at him and be like, so Partisan had a time machine, did he? Yeah. Did you know what happened to it? I assumed it was in his lab. I gather it's not there any longer. You know where his lab is? Though I've been there, I couldn't take you there. Sure. Patrick Ironclaw. Yes? Has it, had it, and rewrote history. He frowns at that. I I guess I wouldn't know if that's true or not. No. But he did, and you were one damn fine entertainment reporter. Oh, that sounds awful. Well, for a man of your color in his world, you did very well for yourself. He looks around. Where's Hair Trigger? Where's the coyote? Coyote's dead. Oh my. I'm sorry. He died uh, as we tried to undo all this. And um, I'm not sure where Hair Trigger is. I. Did you do it? Did you. Were you successful? Is Are things the same or. I mean, we've been back long enough to drop off the coyote's body and come here. So, as far as I know. They're the same, but I haven't really done a lot of, you know, looking around. He looks over to Riptide. Could you pour me one of those as well? You got it, buddy. He steps into the kitchen, comes back a few minutes later with a, with a tray of sandwiches, sets them down, and immediately relieves Riptide of the other glass of scotch. So we're sharing things, are we? Looking over at uh, Dr. Necropath. It seems like we were more upfront with each other that perhaps my friend wouldn't be dead and and perhaps Patrick Ironclaw wouldn't be dead and perhaps another one of my friends wouldn't be horribly traumatized. So as I'm taking a bite out of a sandwich, I've got my mask pulled up over the face. I kind of look over and I'm just like, so when you say you couldn't take us to the lab, is that because you're not sure how to get there or did he, I don't know, have like a giant key that you needed his strength to to unlock it or something. I mean, why can't you take us to the lab? It's on the moon. Oh. The Fucking trapdoor. God damn it. That would be a good reason you couldn't take us. That little prick. Well, Patrick Ironclaw had access to a teleporter who... Somehow he knew about the lab, and somehow he had Trapdoor get him there and brought it back. I assume it's on the dark side of the moon? Yes. You know, that makes sense. You have anything else in there that could impure reality, change, you know, the nature of our world, anything like that? Every artifact that he ever captured, every piece of super technology, every item that some villain used is there in his lab, in his moon base. Even the gun that turned iron to pudding? Even the gun that turned iron to pudding. 
And the guy who knows how to get there, the last time we saw him, we may have somewhat been a little bit harsh with him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Fantastic. <laughs> we may have been a little stern. <laughs> uh, this is bad. I'm gonna look over. I'm gonna look over to Ricochet and the Duke and just kind of shrug. Like I don't know what the hell to do. Chapstick. He liked Betty. Yeah, she's in the mood for some negotiations. Yeah. I didn't do anything to him. I wonder if anyone else remembers what we remember. I say, looking at at Riptide. Well, you know what? Speaking of remembering <clears throat> stuff and. Aaron, I remember everything, right? Yes, sir. Including my own death. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm just remembering, and after, uh, after I fell out that window, I remember the last thing I was seeing was the uh, was a big piece of rebar sticking out of my chest, and I died. So why, how come Coyote's dead and I'm not dead? I don't know. It's a really good question. I I don't know. I was kind of dead after wow. you guys all died in that other world sort Did of other angel, me die and an angel of the lord took my place and and so i don't know if i actually died or if god's intervention saved me but oh that was you uh yes well it was my i guess body but there was an angel actually running everything but yeah okay did did other me die well, i don't know i hit him pretty hard but then I stumbled out the window, so I don't know. No, Excel, you know, after after the Duke cleaned your clock, you kind of staggered into the time machine, and you kind of disappeared. And then everything kind of went white, like it did before we ended up there. So, Partisan's Lab, we probably need to find a way to secure all that stuff before Trapdoor starts selling things to every supervillain he can, you know, has oh. a platinum oh, maybe that's why i rem- maybe that's why i don't remember if you all died maybe that's why you remember because you were dead it doesn't explain why the coyote didn't this is dead yeah. in this reality too from the same wounds he sustained in the other reality oh maybe it's because he got killed by somebody who was affected by the same thing we were affected by well, you got punched out the window by the coyote so i mean he was responsible for your death essentially yeah I don't know. I'm no scientist. Mm, I'm not that kind of scientist. Um, I mean, getting to the moon, we, we got Betty, right? That's it. Anyone have any I, theories on how to get to the freaking moon? Hold on. I have an idea. I call If it, it has to do with Lester, I swear to God, I will break your phone. My phone's already out. I'm already calling him. Don't call NASA. I hear they're relying on the Russians these days. Lester picks up. I'm working on it. I told you I'm working on it. Oh, I have one other question. Sure. Is there anybody that can get us to the moon? Like, is there a superhero that will, like, rent out a rocket ship or something? Or, Well, the World Defense Force certainly has, uh, has you know, space-traveling uh, vessels. But uh, uh, I would imagine somebody like uh, Joseph Rack would be able to do that. Uh-huh. You know, gold-based technology and all. <laughs> Thanks, Lester. I'm going to look hey, at yeah, I hang up. I, I look up. Lester says Joseph Rett can get us there. I look at Dennis Dane. Who is pouring himself another glass of scotch. And say, your, your buddy's the uh, alchemist, right? Sure. Can you uh, 
I mean, if you tell him that all of Parsons' stuff could be getting stolen as we speak, do you think he would uh, move to help that? I'm certain that he would. Okay. And when you're talking to him, could you tell him that Betty probably needs him, whether she realizes it or not? Betty? Hair trigger. Or just say Betty. I don't know. Give me some scotch. (laughs) (laughs) He nods and just kind of taking it all in. I just kind of look here. I am so glad I never told you my real name. Right before we leave, I'm going to uh, leave two guys behind. And I'm going to say, just burn it to the ground in reference to the building behind us. I'm sorry, what? Burn it to the ground. And there's this exchange of looks and they look back at Frank. Um... We didn't sign on for arson tonight. We were told there was pizza. Uh, I'll, I'll buy you as much pizza as you want. Both of them are like, yeah, no, I'm not burning shit to the ground. It's one <laughs> thing to do your to do your moving, strange lady girl, but uh, no, I'm not burning this place down. God damn it, Frank! Will you talk to them? Frank seems a, a, a little shocked as well by this uh, desire to commit arson, and he's like, um, yeah. Uh, I'll see. I'll see what I do. I, I can do a. Hey guys, c- come here. And he takes them off to the side. You you see him talking to the, the other two guys are are you know like I, I don't know about this. I you know, bitch. You hear things like bitches crazy. You know bitches be like burn that shit down. No thank you. You know I love these guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, Frank comes back and he says, oh, okay, okay. They're not gonna burn it down. Ah. Uh. But they're gonna tag it like a motherfucker. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and you 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 hear the, the the shaking of spray cans going on, and <laughs> and so Frank's like, "Do you want to go?" Yes. Okay. So. You... Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go back to uh, HQ. Uh, you know the the second HQ. Uh-huh. We're going to uh, put it in a box down there, an unlabeled box. Dennis Dane returns to the room after having gotten off the phone with uh, Joseph Reck. He says, yeah, he, uh, he he can coordinate that. He can have that ready tomorrow. He says, if, if y'all will come down to uh, to uh, the Reck offices in the morning, he'll uh, he'll coordinate that. Okay, I'll I'll thank him and slip my stuff back on and, and head out. As you're as you're getting ready to leave, Riptide, you're polishing off your scotch, setting your glass down, going to the door. Uh, Ricochet, you're you're scooping up the last sandwich on the on the platter. And if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, you're the only one that ate sandwiches. Yeah, I did not have a sandwich. So I didn't either. You cleared that entire platter on your own. <laughs> um, and you're you're taking you've got you've got one that you're currently eating and one in, one in your hand for when you're done. And uh, so you guys are standing in the doorway, and Necropath, you're the last person uh, to kind of you know put his coat on, put your mask back on, and Dennis Dane extends his hand. I will I will shake it. He says, "I appreciate the trust you placed in me tonight." Well, secrets I think are only going to work against us, and hopefully um, we can work closer in the future. He leans close to you, and he says, "Where only you can hear it." In the spirit of that trust, you should know that Partisan was my husband. I will look at him, nod, and kind of I, I will I will go from the handshake into the half hug, you know, with the shoulder clap with the other arm. 
And you see he, he's a little choked up about that. And clearly this isn't something that he can share with just anybody. Right. And so uh, he steps back and you know, kind of nods at you. Here if you need me. I'll nod back to him and, and you know, kind of uh, slowly walk out. You uh, return to uh, your, uh, your apartment there right. in, the, in the university district. And you come through the door. You hear, is that you? Uh, yeah, it's me. And you, you see Bethany step around the corner wearing one of your uh, your uh, sweatshirts and only one of your sweatshirts. <laughs> <clears throat> and she smiles at you. I was thinking you weren't coming home tonight. Yeah, I kind of wondered there for a minute myself, but I'm here. Well, uh, you, you should you should come in here. I was just pouring a bath. <laughs> you know, a bath sounds just like the right thing about now. Where's Cousteau? I haven't seen him tonight. I really need to talk to him. So, uh, Ricochet, you uh, make it back to Lester's apartment. You 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 know enter in, and you he he is sitting there with laptop in his lap, and you know sitting in a beanbag chair working away. He says, "I've almost got the website updated. What happened?" I don't completely know, but apparently it involved time travel and an alternate reality. An alternate me is kind of a wuss. Well, I have a hard time believing that. Apparently, alternate me was knocked out with one punch from Riptide. That just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. It, it doesn't seem right. Now, for some reason, the other guys all remembered this alternate reality, but I don't, I don't remember any of it. Well, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, do you remember anything from another world? No... I mean, other than, like, those Mirror Universe episodes on Star Trek, I remember all of those. Oh, those were cool. Those were my favorite ones. Hey, you hungry? I ordered a pizza. I'm starved. Awesome. Uh, Necropath, you enter into your apartment. I'm sorry, your Excellent. townhome, whatever it is. Does my, uh, yeah, kind of brownstone type thing. Is uh, Does my dog come, come wagging up to me? He does. He, uh, he, he You hear the, the nails uh, come clip-clopping clip across the uh, tile as he, uh, as he runs up to the door to greet you. I'm going to get down, kind of bend over, and, and kind of rub him behind the ears and rub his belly. And then, and then I think, do, do I feel something odd in the house? Well, you know, <clears throat> it's weird because, you know, it's been several hours since you've been here. And he should be, you know, bowling you over to go out the door. But he doesn't seem, you know, he doesn't have that sense of urgency about him. Mm-hmm. And you look and you see, you know, down the hall, um, you see a figure sitting in your armchair. And he's he is uh, pointing a what looks like a gun at you. And in his other hand, you see him tossing something. And you realize that the thing that he's tossing is something that you took off of trap door. Back when y'all had him, you know, when you had gone through his possessions and you, you took it. And you remember you had put it in your pocket back then. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it looks like a key fob. Right. And you, you kind of trace up and you see trap door. And he says, why don't you come in and let's have a talk. I will uh, close the door and, and walk on in. So after closing the door, I walk, I walk into the living room and I, I sit down in the, the chair across the coffee table from, from the seat that he's seated in. He levels the gun right at your head uh, as your dog comes in and you know, comes right beside you, really kind of oblivious as to you know, what the gun thing is all about. You know, sits down next to you, head on your knee. So 
uh, I'll, I'll absolutely kind of reach out my, my hand and kind of tousled his head and I'll look up at, at trap and kind of look him up and down and look him in the eye and say, and say, you know, it, you, you look a lot better than when I saw you last. He's squ- he's been squinting at you and you, and you, you can tell that, you know, his, his hand is, is, is strongly gripping the gun and, uh, you know, it's, it's, again, it's, it's a rather high tech looking thing. Doesn't look like, you know, standard army issue or pol- police issue um looks like something out of a science fiction movie and he squints when you say that. he says what well you know last time i saw your your neck was broken you're lying dead on the floor of iron claw tower he looks like a man who's you know just on the edge just ready to just blow your head right off with whatever it is this gun shoots and he he, he furrows his brow and he's like what the hell are you talking about you know it was an it, it was a time machine what was a time machine uh, the thing that you got for Patrick, Patrick Ironclaw uh, off the moon—it it was a time machine. This unsettles him a little bit, and he he he, you know, still has the gun pointed at you, but instead of pointing it at your head, it's now pointed at the center of your chest, and his, his hand is relaxed a little bit. So, how do you know about that? Because I saw you die trying to destroy it about I don't know, twelve hours ago. I, I, you saw it? I, I, well, yeah. I I. I you're not making any sense. Okay. There is um hold on. Okay, in this world, wait, do you have a scar on your face? No. He kind of, you know, turns his head out of the shadow so you can see it. No. Okay. So, right. In this world, you stole a time machine uh for Patrick Ironclaw from the moon. From Partisan's secret lab. Did you know it's Partisan's lab? I did. Okay. So, you stole the time machine, right? I st- I facilitated whatever, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You, you took it, right? Yes. Okay. So Patrick Ironclaw used it and uh, almost destroyed the reality. Well, there was another world. The Nazis won. Shoot. You were, had a big scar down your face and uh, honey and badger ripped, uh, broke your neck. It was at Ironclaw tower when we were trying to stop the machine together. Right. The, <sighs> okay. Here's the thing. You stole something that almost destroyed this reality. Everything that you love was gone in their place, and you were willing to die to stop Ironclaw in that reality. In this reality, you still have this huge – you don't understand that because you weren't there. But you got to realize that you're doing things that are destroying the world and and obviously threaten you didn't help. Oh, uh, the coyote's dead. What? That might make you happier, I guess. No. Oh, I thought you might be upset with, uh, you know, him roughing you up before. I, um, I I didn't care for him, but I didn't want him dead. Well, his funeral's going to be in a few days if you like to attend it. Um, think I'll pass. Fair enough. So, you you, you call he, you've caused his death in a very real way, and you almost destroyed everything that you see around you. In fact, you did for about 140 years, 200 years, something like that. All this was undone. And an angel stopped it from happening. But the point is that we have to find a way that you don't help bad people anymore. And and I want to do whatever I can do to make you and the things you care about safe because I need you to stop helping bad people destroy the world. He sighs, lowers the gun a little bit more. I came here to kill you. Well, if it, if it helps you feel better, I died sort of, but the angel saved me in the other place. 
I came here to kill you because you know things about me that I can't have other people knowing. I came here to kill you because you have the leverage over me that Ironclaw had over me and that he gave those men over me. Right. We need to take that away from them. How do we do that? Well, I don't know exactly. So do they actually have the woman? They just know who she is? They know who she is. But they don't actually have possession of her, right? No. They just threatened her. So could we put her somewhere where she'd be safe, where they couldn't get to her? That's challenging. Okay. You know, I don't know everything. I may have implied I knew more than I did last time we met. So I'm going to need you to maybe – or maybe I'm just confused about which reality this is. But I'm going to need you to explain a little more. Listen, man. You're clearly about 10 pounds of crazy in a five-pound bag. Thanks to you. For some reason, I don't want to kill you tonight. Okay. Let's put a pin in this discussion, and maybe you and I can work together. Can I ask you one more question? Sure. Did you take anything else? He gestures at the gun. Well, sure. I mean, anything else that could reshape the world, destroy continents, blow up the moon, that type of level of of thing? Just this gun. And the time machine. Well, and that. Yeah. Okay. Well, the time machine's been destroyed. Uh, I mean, have you actually fired the ray gun? Not yet. So you're pretty sure, though, it's not going to blow up the world? Pretty sure. Mostly sure. About 60-40. That's not bad odds compared to what I've been through today. I'm going to go. Okay. And maybe you and I can meet at that coffee place sometime and continue this discussion. We really should. Seriously. We, I am here to help you feel safe and keep whoever what's-her-name-is safe because I can't live through a third reality and, and watch all the people I love die again. He stands, gun still in his hand, but not directly pointed at you. And he takes two steps into the shadows and disappears. And as you see him go, you realize something. As you were recounting, you know, the events that occurred, you realized that, you know, when you were Ramiel, you had this profound sense that that world was wrong that it wasn't the world that it was supposed to be, that it had been altered. And you knew that it had been altered by that time machine. Right. And here you stand in this world, and you remember the last thing that ran through your mind as Ramiel left your body, as you sensed those wings depart from you, that this world is wrong as well. And it was also changed by that time machine, now destroyed. change father continues to improve what news it's done the indian is dead good work brother it wasn't me he was dead when i got there i think it was the wolf lady indeed i must say i do admire the moon wolf's charms (laughs) yeah uh did you happen to see the burst of light in the sky an hour or so ago I did. It can only mean Ironclaw's effort failed. Stupid savage. Had he followed the plan, we... Wait, was it was it there? The machine? No. It was gone when I got there. But there were two guys tagging the place and... Tagging? Oh, you know. Spray painting? Vandalizing? Go on. Well, I thought it was odd, them wearing rec tech name badges and all. Not your usual taggers, right? So I asked them some questions. And? Disappointing. They took no time at all. The moment I showed them my face, they couldn't tell me fast enough. 
The one guy stroked out, literally just out. The other, well, he was crying and screaming before I could even ask the question. Almost not worth the time eating his arm. His guts were good, though. Best liver I've had in a while, actually. In fact, better than when we hit that Armenian whorehouse. Who has the machine, Leo? Girl named Betty. Used to work for Wreck. Apparently starting her own thing. Betty. Let's learn what there is to know about this. Betty. <coughs> Vilanga. Father. <coughs> Vilanga. Sagmir. Weeks, Father. Weeks. But you did it, Father. You killed the meddler. Partisan is dead. And the secret is safe, Father. No one knows that you killed their precious hero. And no one knows of your plans. <laughs> That's it for Season 3, Rainsboro fans. Now tell us what you think. Did you enjoy the reign of Ironclaw? Are you going to miss the coyote? The feedback show is due out in just a few weeks, so give us a call at 972-763-5903 and share your thoughts, questions, comments, and concerns. Or leave us a comment in the show notes. Or send us an email to ideologyofmadness at gmail.com. If we use your comment on the show, you can win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. And coming soon to ideologyofmadness.com. The Lorandus Sector, our new frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Aegean. Her ongoing mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Goat sex involved in the production of this podcast was purely consensual. <laughs> <laughs>